there it is. this? No, I'm videotaping it. Okay. We're not videotaping it, I'm taping it. Okay. All right. And so, tell me who I'm talking to here. Carolyn Barnett. Yes. And Carolyn, let's start with the hardest question, which is, how old are you? 83. Okay. Yeah. And you've lived most of your life up and around Crane, Missouri. That's correct. And so tell me about your parents and what brought you into this world? What My mother was Carrie Pearl Carney, mm -hmm. the daughter of B.F. and Cordy Wiley Carney. Okay. And my father was Claude Cheatham. Okay. They met when Claude came to Stone County as the civil engineer on the Y Bridge at Galena. Oh, really? He had a civil engineering degree from University of Kansas. Okay. And came there to work, and they met. And to be real honest, I can't tell you what their uh, marriage date was without looking at the book. Okay. And I don't have it. That's fine. And then I've been told, I don't remember this, but I've been told that then the next project was east of Springfield, Missouri, somewhere, I'm not sure where. Uh-huh. And they moved there for a short period and then moved to Bowling Green, Missouri. Okay. And that's way up. That's way north of St. Louis. Yeah. To a CCC camp. Okay. He was an engineer on the CCC projects. Well, that in, would have been a good job to have at that time. Uh -huh, in Pike County. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I was born in the Pike County Hospital in Louisiana, Missouri. Uh huh. April 10, 1936. Okay. And then when I was three years old, they moved back to Crane, Missouri. Okay. And my mother and father both worked at the B.F. Carney office in the insurance and abstracting business. Uh-huh. And I went all 12 years of school in Crane. Uh -huh. My father and mother were divorced when I was seven. Okay. And my, ma my mother, I mean my father moved to California. Oh, really? Yes. Where I, in California? Um... Viejo. Okay. And I never saw him again. Really? No. After he left when I was in second grade. Huh. And then I completed all my years in, in public school in Crane. Uh-huh. I married in 1953 the, in October of my senior year in high school. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Married Shirley Barnett from Hurley, Missouri. Uh-huh. Whose parents were Alfred Barnett and Jewel Steele Barnett. Okay. They both had the same... So what was her... No, so Steel she was, was Steel. her maiden okay. name, uh -huh. Jewel right. Steele. Mm -hmm. And... We immediately left Missouri because 
Barney, as my husband was known, uh-huh. his real name being Shirley, which yeah. he didn't much like. <laughs> Uh, we left immediately because he was a federal food inspector okay. at that time. And we left, went straight to uh, Oklahoma, and he worked in the peanut crop okay. at Hinton, Oklahoma there huh. for a period of time. And then we went to the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. Oh, wow. And I spent my first Christmas and only Christmas away from home uh-huh. in 1953. Uh-huh. And then in March, let's see, let's start. yes, in March of 1954, we came back to Missouri and Barney started working in, at the B.F. Kearney office in Crane, Missouri. Uh-huh. What was he doing there for for your... So in other words, who was B.F. to you? B.F. Carney was my grandfather. Okay. He was deceased when I was one year old. Okay. And my mother from that point on was the proprietor of the B.F. Carney office. Okay. And Barney came in to help her in 1954. Okay. And remained there until, oh gosh, must have been 97, he retired uh-huh. from there. And we lived in Crane and raised three children there. That's right. Tell me about your children. Okay. The oldest was Marcy Ann, and she was born in December of 54. Uh-huh. December 5. Then next was Marcus Carney. He was born in on March 21st, 1958. And then Paul Marshall was born December 17, 1962. Okay. All of them completed their public school education in Crane, Missouri. Yes, they did. Yes. Um, Marcy continued her education at uh, Missouri Valley College in, well, what is, where was it? Marshall, Missouri. (laughs) Marshall, Missouri. Uh Then came back to Missouri State where she continued and graduated with her master's degree. Okay. She... After that, that she got her master's in counseling and started working for the Springfield Public Schools. Mm-hmm. Also enrolled in a um, doctoral program. And I can't tell you what year she finished that. <laughs> I don't remember. That's fine. And then Marcus went to William Jewell College graduated there, and then went to UMKC Dental School. Mm-hmm. And I know when he graduated because I graduated the same year from Missouri State College. Oh, really? After having spent nine years going to school on Tuesday and Thursday. <laughs> and he gradu- I graduated 
one week and he graduated from Missoula. I mean, William Jewell the next week. Really? Uh -huh. When was that? What year? Um, Seventy-nine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then Paul? Paul has done several different jobs throughout his life. He's presently in treatment for melanoma. Okay. And lives here in Springfield. Okay. Mark lives in Ozark, uh -huh. and Marcy lives here in Springfield. So everybody stayed around the area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have six adult grandchildren and one two-year-old great-grandchild that is the <laughs> delight of my life <laughs> well so tell me if you were going to tell the world or the audience or whatever mm -hmm. what lessons are most important that you've learned oh, what are the big okay. things in life oh Dale, i don't know how to answer that because my family is so important to me and has been, not, uh -huh. not just right. recently. I think the biggest lesson is stay close to family. Okay. That's a very good lesson. What else? What else would you impart? I would also say to anyone, male or female, that it's never too late. Okay. I didn't even start college, didn't take one college course till my daughter was a junior in high school. Okay. What made you do it at that time? Because I wanted to go to school. Okay. I, I thoroughly enjoyed, and it, I had no intention of getting a degree when <laughs> I started. I just wanted to go really? and be in the classes. Okay. And I kept doing that, and I went on Tuesday and Thursday. Uh -huh. to Springfield and when I had acquired uh, 30 hours of is it no when I acquired 60 hours of credit they told me I couldn't register for the next semester until I uh, declared a major oh really I'd just been taking what just <laughs> what looked good to me what you wanted to yeah yeah so I had to do that so I got a copy of my transcript, and with some help from some friends, I added up my credits, and the best way for me to go was to do a history with a minor in political science. Okay, well tell me about that. Because that's what I was heavy in. <laughs> well, tell me what that was like. I enjoyed every day of it. Okay, every who were your favorite teachers? Dr. Bentley at Drury was the first one I had. I got a really good start because I happened to be wanting to do this at the time of they were wanting teachers, particularly early childhood teachers. Mm -hmm. So Drury developed this program that to get people certified quickly you could go on Tuesday and go all day and take okay. two classes, three hours in the morning, three hours in the afternoon. Wow. So for the first few classes, that's exactly what I did. I just went once a week. Wow. All day on Tuesday. Uh-huh. 
and he taught Dr. Bentley, this is his last class, uh -huh. and he taught uh, political science. Okay. And I enjoyed that more than any class I ever had. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. He... Um was deceased very shortly after that. Uh -huh. But I really liked it. And then, of course, I liked history classes, so I took all those. Wasn't so crazy about the math and science. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but I did that, and after, I've forgotten how many semesters I went to Gurry, two or three, maybe four, I don't remember. But I transferred to Missouri State because uh -huh. it was a lot less expensive. Uh -huh. And when I did that was the year that the CLEP program came out. Okay. And you could sign up. I've forgotten what you paid. I think it was maybe $50 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you could take this test called a CLEP test, and I can't even tell you what those <laughs> things stand for. And I did, and I clipped out of 30 hours. Oh, wow. So that eliminated a lot of the math and science <laughs> basics that I had to take. Good. That's mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so tell me about Barney. Tell me what he was like. Barney was one of the finest people that you'd ever know. I agree. A good, good person. Always laughing, always. Always happy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was. Aaron is so much like him, my oldest grandson. Uh -huh. Everybody that knows Aaron comments about, well, he's always happy, uh -huh. and that's pretty much the way they talk about Barney. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, what else would you say about him? What was he, he was like? a hardworking, very dedicated to what he was doing, and very dedicated to family. He always had a notebook, and he called that his computer. Right. <laughs> yes, because the reason he retired when he did, and I've forgotten what year, uh -huh. was that the insurance companies at that point were insisting that the agents go on computer to file all the information. Uh -huh. He said, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I he didn't need it, did No, he? he didn't, and he... He said, my big chief tablet, my number two pencils, all I'm going to do, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so he retired. Now, Barney died right after the big crane event, the Broiler Festival, in True. 2001, is that right? 2000. 2000. Mm -hmm. Yes. He was uh, in on the ground floor starting the Broiler Festival in the uh -huh. Metro Club, it was called right. at that time, and started the Broiler Festival and worked every time and the last probably at least 20 years he was the purchasing agent for uh -huh. the broader festival bought all the supplies and the and everything that and made sure that the supplies were there and readily available to the workers uh -huh. and he died on Monday after having completed the Broiler Festival that year on Saturday night. Then Sunday morning, he always went down the next morning after it was over and counted what supplies they had left uh -huh. so he'd know how much 
paper goods and chicken and everything to buy for the uh, next year. Right. And he'd put all of that up in the storage above the cook shack on Sunday afternoon. Okay. And he said he didn't feel very well. He mm. believed he'd lie down, so he did. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, I got up and we always went to town after he retired. We always went to town and had coffee at the coffee shop. Uh-huh. And he said he believed he'd just lie back down and not oh. go to the coffee shop that day. So I went on, and when I got back, he was having a lot of difficulty breathing. Okay. And I said, now I'm gonna take you to the doctor one way or the other, he did not like to go to the doctor. <laughs> and I said, we're going, but I will call your doctor first and find out what he wants me to do, which I did. Uh-huh. And he said to me, I said, do you want me to bring him by the office or do you want me to take him to the emergency room? He said, no, I'll just bring him by the office. Mm-hmm. And we Who start. Who was the doctor that time? Shelby um, Deckard. Okay. Shelby Deckard is still living over toward Rogersville. Okay. He's retired, of course. But um, we started, and we, did, we didn't make it. We got almost to Billings, and he just laid his head over on the glass and quit breathing. Really? Mm-hmm. So I'd have to say that that is a pretty good way to go. Oh, yes. <laughs> and believe you me. I've lived long enough since then to be so, so grateful and thankful that that's what happened. Because he would not have liked being in the nursing home. <laughs> How old was he when he, he died? He was 72. Okay. And he jogged. He took up jogging when he was about, I don't know, 55, 60, I don't remember. But he jogged a mile every night. And sometimes he'd say, now, I won't jog tonight if you'll walk with me up around the nursing home. Okay. And on occasion, I would do that. Uh-huh. And we would walk and look in the windows as we went by, and he'd look over into one of the windows, and he'd say, now, don't you bring me up here any sooner <laughs> than you have to. <laughs> well, yeah. 72, that's a good age to go. Yeah, yeah. He never was sick a day in his life. And he jogged. So. Was it a heart attack then? Is mm-hmm. that what Yes, yes. Okay. I did have an autopsy because I needed to know for the boys, and Marcy's sake, oh, yeah. what the problem was. Well, so tell me about your life after he died. What has gone on since then? Okay. Uh, we raised our oldest grandson. He came to be with us when he was three years old. And that's Aaron. That's Aaron Barney, mm-hmm. uh-huh. Yes. And at the time of Barney's death, Aaron was a junior in high school. Okay. So of course, I stayed in Crane uh-huh. then. But uh, Aaron was gonna, had enrolled and did attend uh, Missouri State. Uh-huh. And so when he got ready to go to college, I moved to Springfield. Uh-huh. And my cousin, Betsy Carney Kurtz, yes. uh-huh. bought one side of a duplex and I bought the other side because uh-huh. she'd lost her husband. Sure, when did the, that happen? Um, 
the year before we moved to Springfield. Okay. So been 99, Betsy okay. lost her husband. And we bought a duplex. And they had moved, they were from out east, right? Yes, they lived in Alexandria, Virginia. Yes. Her husband was Presbyterian minister. Uh -huh. And they lived in Alexandria, and he died of esophageal cancer uh -huh. in 99. Uh -huh. So, Betsy and I lived in the duplex, which she still lives in. Uh -huh. And I lived there until three years ago, so whatever year. <laughs> and I had some difficulty breathing one night and they called an ambulance and as it turned out I had a, a TIA uh -huh. and small stroke yes and I had been having back problems and had had two back surgeries through those years uh -huh. and lying there for about six weeks in a bed did not help the back <laughs> so when I tried to walk that was not going to work without help anymore. Uh -huh. So I started using a walker and I then moved from the rehab hospital to the Montclair where I am now because I tried and was not able to get around without a walker and it's too difficult to do stairs and things sure. with a walker. Yeah. And so you mentioned to me when I first had my incidents that there were certain things that you wanted to make sure that you told me, including get as much rehab as you can. Yes, yes. What else would you say about that? Well, then you just have to pick up where you are from rehab uh -huh. and do the best you can. When I first moved here, even with my walker, I couldn't walk all the way to the end of the hall without stopping to rest. I had a seat on my walker. Now I walk all the halls every morning <laughs> yeah. before I go to exercise class at 10.30. Uh -huh. And I have continued the exercises that the physical therapist came for home visits when I first moved here. For my legs, I probably have the strongest legs in town. <laughs> the back's not any better, but the legs are good. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. Well, so what else did you learn by having the problems you had? In, in, with my back? Yeah, or just, you know, your health. Well, now, my back didn't give out till about five, six years ago, I guess. Seven, uh -huh. maybe. After Barney died and I moved to Springfield, the next year I met a gentleman from uh, Nevada. Dick. Dick, Dick Vaughn. Uh -huh. uh -huh. He lives in uh, Carson City, Nevada. Uh -huh. And my niece, Barney's sister's daughter at that time, was the children's director of the program on a cruise ship, the Royal Caribbean okay. cruise ship. And she came home that March after I moved to Springfield in May, the next March she came home and she said, now, anytime you want to go on a cruise, we can have family on the cruise for half price. Oh, wow. So I was with a girlfriend and I'm telling her about it. And so 
we'd just booked in the, that May, that was in March, that May we went on this cruise together. Uh -huh. uh, let's see, where did we go? To Aruba, yeah. Okay. We went on a Caribbean cruise. Wow. And our first stop was in Aruba and of course you take all these excursions off the ship and the first night out we took my niece and her friends that worked on the ship with her and we went on this excursion to a private island for a, a show. Okay. And we got on a float, a little boat, and out to the island. There were probably 40 people on it. Uh -huh. And <clears throat> that obviously, except for us, everybody else was with a big group. Uh -huh. And when we got off, started up the hill to climb a hill to go to this place, this guy was walking by himself. And all those other people had gone on, because I thought he was with them, he was sitting where they were. Sure. And I, when we passed him, I said, are, are you with those folks up there? And he said, no, I'm by myself. And I said, well, no. you just hang with us and you'll have a good time. <laughs> And that was the beginning of 10 years of world travel. Okay, well tell me about that. It was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Because you did quite a bit of traveling with Oh with yeah. as well. Yes, we did travel. And then when I met Dick, both of us, he was five years older than me. He was, uh, let's see, what was I, 64? I guess he was 69, I don't know. And anyway, we both knew that time was not on our side for <laughs> traveling. Uh -huh. So as he said, we hit the road running. Uh -huh. And we were fortunate in that his cousin was a uh, travel agent mm -hmm. in Vegas. Uh -huh. And he set us up and we went to Europe the first shoot out of the box and spent three or four weeks over there and then we well we went lots of places Spain and uh -huh. Australia New Zealand had a lot of really really fun trips South America uh-huh really so what are some of your favorite spots my favorite spot if I could go back would be Barcelona Spain okay what else it's did you like? It's the prettiest city I ever saw. <laughs> it is a pretty city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I liked all of them. <laughs> I didn't really care where we went. Uh, Dick had a, a vacation home in Mexico at the uh, time. I remember that. That we met, and we spent a lot of time down there. It was on the Baja uh -huh. in Mexico, on the Sea of Cortez. It did not have electricity or something? No, it did not. Time? It was all yeah. solar power. Uh-huh. Everything was solar power. The little village, I called it a village because it had a gas station and a cafe. <laughs> <laughs> that was about all there was there. <laughs> was about 25 miles uh, south of San Felipe, which was the closest electricity there was. Wow. And... Then everything south of there was all solar. Wow. <laughs> and so tell me the lessons you learned from the travel. Just keep going. 
<laughs> as long as you can. When my when Mark and Kelly, my son and daughter-in-law, retired, I told them to make a list because they're they're travelers. They love to travel. Uh -huh. I said, now make a list of every place you want to go, everything you want to see, mm -hmm. and then go back through your list and prioritize your travel by what takes the most energy. Okay. Because it takes energy to first. travel and get that done first. <laughs> Consequently, in about two more weeks, they're going to the South Pole. Really? Mm -hmm. Well, that's. That's, that's going to be an extensive <laughs> trip. And for once, I'm glad I'm not going with them. <laughs> <laughs> and so, in those travels that you had, so do you talk to Dick now or what? Oh, yes. Dick is housebound now. Okay. He was borderline diabetic when we were doing all of our traveling, and needless to say, didn't take real good care of himself. <laughs> he has since lost uh, uh, one of his legs from the knee down, and it hasn't been successfully healing, so okay. he's not able to have a... He has so a prosthesis, but he hasn't been able to use where it. Where does he stay then? He lives with his daughter in... Carson City, Nevada. Okay. When we first met, he wanted to get married, and I said, I'm not interested in getting married. I'm not going to ever do that. Really? Yes, I did. Because didn't. of your connection with Barney? Yes. Okay. That's pretty wonderful. I just, I'm not going to do that. So I'd love to travel, but I'm not going to do that. And I said, there'll be a time when both of us will need to be near our families. Sure. And I'm not going to Nevada. <laughs> So, and I was right, that's exactly what happened. Uh-huh. And so Dick was a nice second chapter, but he oh, was yes. not Oh, he was Barney. a wonderful person, mm -hmm. really. And again, a really solid, good person. When did you last see him? Ooh. It's been several it, years? Yes, or? it has okay. been. It's been, let's see, five years now. Okay. Since I've seen him, mm -hmm. but I still talk to him. I used to talk to him daily, and then it got to be weekly, and now it's two or three weeks usually. But I uh, talked to him last week, hmm. and he sounded really stronger than he had Good. the last few times I talked and to so him. So he's five years older than you. Yes, he's eighty-eight okay. now. Mm -hmm. Well, so now let's go back to Barney and your time in Crane okay. and everything, and so. Tell me what was nice about Crane and you're going up there and all that stuff. Well, of course it's a small town and I I I loved Crane because I for one reason I didn't know any better. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know there was anything else because right. I'd never been anywhere else. Sure. Yeah. At that time. And it just suited me fine. I liked the small town life. I liked Knowing everybody in town, mm -hmm. the camaraderie you have with neighbors and friends and family. Of course, about uh, probably half of the residents were all relatives. <laughs> That's probably right. Yeah. Yes. And then after I went to school and got my degree, I ended up taking extra classes and getting a teaching certificate. Mm -hmm. So that I, but I never did have my own classroom except one semester 
I agreed to teach a business class for a teacher that got really sick at Christmas time, and I did that the second semester. Who was that? I don't remember who the teacher was. Okay. Never did know him, really. Mm -hmm. They just contacted me. But other than that, I just substituted at Kearney. Uh-huh. And I loved every minute of that. <laughs> <laughs> what were the best things you learned there? Not to teach high school. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Those, I just did not enjoy being in the high school situation at all. I didn't enjoy working with high school kids. Uh -huh. And then I moved down junior high. <laughs> and that wasn't any better. Uh -huh. And then I moved, I told them I wouldn't come any <clears throat> for any classes over sixth grade. Okay. And I finally got it down to third grade and below, and I really liked it. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> and so what were the favorite stories? What are some of your favorite stories from subbing? Oh, gosh. I can't remember particular incidents, Dale. I just liked being there. I loved being at the school uh -huh. and dealing with the kids. Oh, there are always funny things. That oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Else. oh, and yeah. just being in the atmosphere. I yeah. just really liked it. That was, and then because I had a teaching certificate, when I moved to Springfield, I got to do one of the most fun things I've ever done. They have a program here called a base program. It's business and school something. I don't know what the E stands for, but uh -huh. anyway, it's for uh, handicapped children. Uh -huh. And they deal with uh, high school kids that can't navigate in the public schools. Uh -huh. And they have their classrooms. The one I liked the best was at Mer Mercy Hospital. Mm -hmm. But they have them at any business that will allow a classroom. And Pride Trucking has one. And they're, they're still having that program here. Uh -huh. And what it would amount to, we would work with these kids from 8.30 in the morning until 12. Okay. Doing... Uh, academic things like adding, subtracting, sure, just checkbooks, more practical things than anything. Sometimes not in school, <laughs> yeah. And some of the things we had to do, like we'd get on the city bus and ride the city bus, so they could know how to do a transfer and that sure. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then in the afternoon, they worked at whatever jobs there were at these where the, they had the classrooms uh -huh. and they still do that really and oh i love that job <laughs> how long did you work there just two or three years okay after i moved to springfield and so now that you're up here in springfield mm -hmm. and what is the name of this place the montclair the montclair what are what are your remaining things that you want to do Nothing particularly <laughs> that I don't do. We have a full activity schedule here, uh -huh. and I'm involved in about everything we do. Okay. Uh, we have exercise class every morning at 1030. Uh -huh. And we, of course, have three meals a day of 
the first one I don't go to. <laughs> but we have lunch and dinner every day served in the dining room. And we have movies, which I love, and cards. I play uh -huh. bridge on Friday night and uh, canasta on Monday night and poker on Saturday night. Okay. <laughs> That's quite a full And schedule. most of the time, the other times we do have movie are a lot of times on Thursday night we have outside uh, vocal groups and so oh, on wow. that come in here and perform. And so, again, thinking about how, so let's ask is we're turning into the year 2020 in mm -hmm. any day now. Mm -hmm. And so tell me, what is the difference between when you first started and now, what are the differences that you see? You mean in my everything elementary just, line? Just, yes, just everything. Okay. You came mm -hmm. into the depression, and then here we see, are now. I don't remember the depression. Okay, That's the depression thing. is not something. What are the first memories that you have? I remember. I don't remember World War One. I, I mean World War Two, uh -huh. except for particular incidents. Okay, tell me about those. I remember <clears throat> the first thing that I knew about that. Uh, my great aunt, Carrie Wiley Hilton, okay. and Arthur Hilton had a son named Carl Hilton, mm -hmm. and he was in the Navy. And they had another son, Max Hilton, uh -huh. and his wife, Josephine Wilkes Hilton, mm -hmm. had a son three years younger than me, Jerry Max Hilton. Uh -huh. And when I was, after the war started, I re can remember, Jerry and I'd be playing together, and Carl would get chewing gum at the PX or wherever he was and mail it to Aunt Carrie, and every time Jerry and I went to Aunt Carrie's house, we got this <coughs> chewing gum, uh -huh. and we'd try to chew it, but it wouldn't stick together, and it, would <laughs> t it was just grainy for the time we got it. Uh -huh. That's, and I remember the day the war was over, and we all gathered, everybody in town gathered on Main Street and Crane, uh -huh. and that's just about the extent of mine. Really? World War II. Well, because I've been doing a lot of research on World War II and all these different things, mm -hmm. and it's a miracle that this thing was won. You know, first of all, in looking at it, it's amazing that the, the Germans made so many mistakes, and it's just mm -hmm. amazing that everything happened the way it did. But, you know, I mean, I guess when you're looking at it from the standpoint of barely remembering it, mm -hmm. I mean, what are the memories you do have of that? I really don't have any. I was nine years old the day that it was over and we were on Main Street. And it, I re we, yes, I do remember one thing. Okay. I remember we have a railroad and crane, you know, uh -huh. so, and passenger trains. And sure. I remember this young bride in crane. Let's see. Juanita Eaton Merrill okay. was married to Bob Merrill. Uh -huh. And I remember, I don't, I don't know why he was home on leave, I just know that 
this day I was at the drugstore and they went by, they walked by and were walking down to the train station and I said something about that guy's uniform. I don't remember anything. And somebody said, well, you better go, you better follow him down there because you won't see him for a while. Really? So I did. I just got up and left and walked down to the railroad station. Uh And I can remember how devastated she was when they kissed goodbye and he got on that train. Uh That's one of the things I remember. Wow. She was practically on the ground to see him going off. But I didn't really know where he was going or anything. Sure. Well, tell me about Crane in that era of you first, 9, 10, whatever it was. Okay. Well, my mother worked all the time, uh-huh. and I pretty much grew up in the B.F. Kearney office because uh-huh. I can remember when I was... North half of Main Street? <laughs> no, no. Not oh, then. Okay. No, no. It was the Cross Street. Okay. And it was... the. B.F. Kearney office then was next door to Moat's Barbershop. Okay. And the next building on the other side was the post office. Uh-huh. So there was a lot of traffic there. And then sure. uh, at the end of the street and across was the drugstore. So that was a, my uh-huh. path. Now tell me about the B.F. Kearney dollars. Tell me about that. I can't really tell you a lot about it, Dale, because I don't know. Well, you could say that that was during the Depression. Yes. And this is what, of course, this all comes secondhand. That during the Depression, Granddad contended that uh, wealth depended on faith in a person. Okay. He said that golden wherever it was, didn't mean a thing if the man behind it wasn't honest. Okay. So to prove his point, he sent, and why he sent it, where he sent it, I don't know, he sent away and had these B.F. Carney dollars printed. Uh-huh. And he distributed them, as I understand, up and down Main Street, and whoever came by, and people would actually pay him money for them. So they would pay him. Pay him. He'd okay. give them a dollar, and then they'd go and see if somebody would take it for goods. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> and that was the surprising part, that they actually did. And he based it on the fact that any time anyone wanted to bring a dollar, one of those B.F. Kearney dollars in, he'd redeem it uh-huh. for face value. Give it a dollar. I'll give a dollar, uh-huh. yes, for it. And that would have been a rich thing to do in the... I, but I can't, I don't know how many were distributed. <laughs> I don't have... They became kind of items around town. Yes, they did. You know, definitely. Now, my grandson Aaron is very interested in family history. Sure. And he knows a lot more about it than I okay. do. Okay, well, that's, <laughs> that'll be a good source then. Uh-huh. But yeah, you know, that was... My dad had one displayed up there yes. in his office. Yeah. 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 And so how so you don't know how many or anything like that? No. Uh, I know that there's one in the National Archives in DC. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yes. I do know that. Hmm. 
and there's one in the History Museum at School of the Ozarks, and uh -huh. one in the History Museum in uh, Jeff City. Uh -huh. But that's just about all I can tell all you. you know. And all he, all it amounted to was that he thought he wanted to see how good his credit was. Huh. But he would always redeem yes, it for a dollar. Yes, but they never all came in. Not even close. <laughs> so what do you think the people thought they were getting? I really don't know. Huh. Unless they just thought it, they'd just have that as well as a so dollar. So what are your memories of I don't. I have none. He okay. died when I was a year old. Okay. Yeah, he died in 37. And his son was Ben Carney. Benjamin F. Carney. Okay. And he had another son, Lynn Carney. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Ben Carney ended up being someone that we both knew. Right. You know, he was uh -huh. a mainstay of the Presbyterian Church and all right. that. Right, exactly. Uh -huh. And he lived in Crane all his life. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Lynn Carney moved away from Crane and went into the insurance business at the company level. Uh -huh. And traveled, but when when the B. F. Carney Company was there, it was mainly just a third party insurance company. Just an agency. Right? It was an okay. agency, not a company. Okay. Yes, and the, the but the primary business that, that started that was the abstracting office. Okay. The B. F. Carney office, and I can't tell you who they bought it from. Uh huh. Bought original books and had the oldest set of abstract books in Stone County. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, um, so your mom and dad divorced when you were seven. seven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was a rarity of that Oh, time. yeah. And then my mother remarried when I was nine. She uh -huh. married Polk Bledsoe. Okay. He was a fellow from Tennessee. That came there with a a uh, garment manufacturing company, uh -huh. and that's the first manufacturing company that Crane had. And I guess I don't know that they still have a garment factory in Crane or not. I don't was, know. Yeah. But that was in well, I was nine, so what's that? Forty-five. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they were married until he died in, in January of 1954. Uh -huh. They were still married when I got married and left and went to Texas in October and then in January of that year, wow. the next year he died. And so, tell me about, do you remember your dad at all? Not really. Really? Mm -mm. I can't remember what he looked like or anything. Not really, I can't. And so what was the reason why they had divorced? I think it was all to do with alcohol. Okay. And then my mother, as most people do, remarried and married another alcoholic. Oh, really? Polk was an alcoholic. Oh, geez. But he was so good to me. Really? Yeah, he was always just put me first of everything. Uh-huh. So I didn't have any quarrels with him at all. And so he died mm -hmm. in what year? 54. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
And so then your mom did not remarry after No, that. she never remarried after that. Because I remember her when I was a little kid. You know, I remember her and I remember Pete, Pete saying Gibson. something about her, you know. But I just don't remember what it was other yeah. than, you know, there were a lot of people at that time that I can still remember that are now gone. Oh, yeah. And so tell me some of the people that we had to think about from Crane. Oh, gosh. Pete and Bonnie Gibson. Pete and Bonnie, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Max and Joe Hilton. Yes. Fern Myers. Uh huh. Just talked about her with with um, Jim Holt. Jim today. Holt. Oh, did you already yeah. today? Yeah. Wow. It's How very about funny. that? Does he still go to church? In yeah, Ukraine? he's still going to go to church. Yeah. Yeah. My mother and Fern were very, very best friends. Okay. And so she was a big Cardinal fan. She was oh, always yeah. into baseball and <laughs> yeah. knew a lot about it too. Yeah. Yeah, she was. <laughs> yeah, they did a lot of going places together. <laughs> and were, so who are some of the other people? Oh, gosh. Benton and Furl Williams. I'm just going to go up Main Street. <laughs> and uh, Roy and Millicent Sharp uh, Williams. Millicent Sharp Williams. Uh-huh. And... I remember Mr. Harper. Yes, at the dime store. What was his name? T.T. Harper? I don't know anything. I never did know anything but (laughs) Harper. (laughs) He looked like Colonel Sanders. Yeah. Yeah, I I called him Harper. (laughs) (laughs) And And there was the Red Front and some really Mm -hmm. fine clothing stores at that time. And across the street was Fenton's. You probably don't remember that. I don't remember that. And the fashion shop up on the corner. Mm-hmm. You probably don't remember that either. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> the, the Hilton Hardware. Uh-huh. A.B. Hilton and his son Max ran that. Right. Uh-huh. Well, that's one of the big differences was that, you know, when, from the point that I was still able to remember in the 70s, Crane still had multiple businesses that were not or were not flea markets. Right. Exactly. And you know, that's the thing that people don't remember that really changed once Walmart got going. Oh yeah. Definitely. And mm-hmm. you know, so talk about that time and what went on and Well, it was just, you know, the Chamber of Commerce was the probably the most important organization in town during that time. Uh, and everybody that had a business, and some that didn't even have a business belong. Sure. And it met in the dining room at the Presbyterian Church on uh-huh. once a month on Thursday. Uh-huh. And the ladies of the church served the meal, and they made a donation. Uh-huh. And they, were, they had really nice crowds for that, 30, 40 sometimes uh-huh. people that came to that. That was a really good, strong organization. Mm-hmm. So tell me, from your 83-year-old viewpoint now, tell me about religion and its importance and God and what else you need to know. Well, I think it's important that children be, I guess you'd use the word exposed to religion. I think uh-huh. they should have a, a background and 
course, I spent all my life until I moved to Springfield in the Presbyterian Church at Crane. Right. And when I moved up here, the Presbyterian Church was way too big for me. <laughs> <laughs> the first in Calvary. The first in Calvary, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I had a friend that had lived in Crane previously that went to a little bitty church. Who was that? Uh, Dee Richardson. You okay. wouldn't know her, I don't think. She and she, at the time she lived in Crane, she and Tom Hyde were married. Okay. He had a garment factory there. Yes. And then they were divorced, and she's remarried, but not married to Richardson anymore. Sure. But anyway, she went to this little bitty church and became their administrator. Okay. Called Unity of Springfield. Okay. And then I had an another friend that I didn't even know went there and I went to a party one night where this other friend was and he brought this fellow with him to the party and and I happened to be sitting by him and I said something about what did he do and he told me and I can't remember what it was but he said and I play the organ at the Unity Church. Oh wow. And I said, well, I think I'll just come Sunday and hear you. <laughs> and I've been going there ever since. And when was that? That would have been well, 90, 2000 something? Uh, that's the, early 2000. Oh, two. Let's see. We came up, yeah, in 02. Okay. In summer of 02. And so what is it like? It's a new age church. Okay. And uh, truly and everybody is welcome regardless of your lifestyle your gender uh -huh. your questionable gender it doesn't <laughs> matter everybody's welcome there it's uh -huh. totally a new age i don't agree with everything but that's the beauty part about <laughs> unity you can agree or not agree it doesn't okay. make any difference all right and you're welcome you're welcome there and it's very very small i went this morning and i expect there were I go to the real early service at 9.15. Okay. They have a much larger service at 11, but I go at 9.15 and there might have been 30. There might have been. I doubt there were that many there today. It's really small. But well, my friend's still the administrator there and Joe's still the organist. <laughs> so I remember that when you were at the Presbyterian mm -hmm. Church, you were one of the people that would occasionally speak in tongues or you at least had some experience no. in that or no you're, you're mistaken oh, okay. that. I don't remember no. well so tell me what was it that attracted you to be in that church at that time the Presbyterian yeah because I grew up there my grandmother helped start it uh-huh and that's the only place I ever knew to go to church <laughs> well tell me then what did you learn for that church or what were your favorite parts of that well, the fellowship, I think, would probably be the most attractive part. Uh -huh. And it was just one of those things you did. You got up on Sunday morning and went to church. Right. And that's all I ever knew. Sure. My whole life. Yeah. That's what we did. <laughs> well, so if you're thinking about having a background in religion mm -hmm. and having things, you know, and I think that I've come to really see more about being a relationship with God instead mm -hmm. of religion. Right. And so are there any things like that that you could say or tell or, you know, want to speak about? No, 
No, I just think that it's necessary to expose children so that they can form their own opinion. Yeah. If they, if children aren't exposed to religion or spirituality or whatever, mm -hmm. at an early age, I think they just drift. I really yeah, do. Definitely. And I think that's important. Now, all my kids are different. Uh -huh. Some of them go here, some of them go there, <laughs> but that's, they all have the same base background. Uh -huh. <laughs> and Aaron is your elder, eldest grandson, uh -huh. even though he, he is Paul's son, so he's Correct. Aaron's child. Yeah. Well, no, he's not. He's, I have, Paul has two daughters. Okay. And both of them live in the area. They, uh -huh. one lives in, well, they both actually live in Ozark. Well, but one works for a city utility. She's in, She's an accountant in the finance department here at City Utility. But Aaron was your oldest grandson. Yes, and he's the one that I raised yeah. from the time he was three. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And yes. do you still have any dealings with his mother? Yes, I do. She okay. lives in Hawaii. Okay. So that I don't nice. see her very often. But I, I never did have a bad relationship with her. It was mm -hmm. always very congenial and... She just wasn't able to take care of him, and uh -huh. we were. Yeah. That's the way it was. Well, and that was when, I mean, Barney was very involved. In oh, yes, Aaron. yes. So, yeah. He was extremely involved with, mm -hmm. the, with Aaron. <laughs> and so what are the other life lessons that you'd want to tell us about or other things that you want to mention? Oh, Dale, I don't even know <laughs> where to start. I, I th my biggest life lesson that I think is important, and I don't know how you instill it, is a positive attitude. Okay. I think that's... Why? Tell me that. For your happiness and all the people around you. <laughs> because the, a negative attitude breeds negativity. Uh-huh. And that, to me, that's the most important. That's... Is your mom out there? No, 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 we're good. I'm what, just checking, I'm just making Yeah, because sure. I've got to be yes. marked at four. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, um, so a negative, positive attitude is most important. What yeah. else? Just keep on keeping on. <laughs> well, you know, that's been one of the things that having the strokes has taught me because I ought to be able to do all this stuff. And I am, and I've still got my mind and everything, but mm -hmm. it's really a, something you got to keep on keeping yep, on. Yeah, that's right. right. Keep on getting and, up and doing and everything. Yeah. It's a lot easier to not. Uh -huh. And being here in this uh, facility, you see a lot of people that get up, and if they make it to the atrium and sit down and sit there all day. And then complain about it. Yes. <laughs> Profusely. <laughs> well, and mm -hmm. I guess that, you know, we kind of had the time when it was still like each little town was individual enough, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that might be something that, because it does seem to me like it does, it seems to me like 
since the Walmart era, everybody is just so insular and they're not really mm -hmm. involved in the community the same way. Maybe that's something I'm just dreaming up, but. Well, I don't think we have the same, like you said a while ago about the businesses, uh -huh. when the businesses were there, uh -huh. you had to run on to people because we were all going the same place. Right. And now you don't do that. You don't uh -huh. run just run on to people. Sure. You have to make an appoint to be involved with people. Yeah. If you're going to be. That's definitely true. Mm -hmm. And I think that takes away from community. Yeah. And I think that's work nationwide. I don't think that's yeah. unique to this area. No, it's not. Nothing is unique to this area anymore. No. And I don't think that'll ever come back. Uh, what do we what will we miss by having that when we have it? Well, for me it would be the camaraderie. But as I see young people, those kinds of things aren't as important to them. Devices are more important. <laughs> well, you think about it, and it's really been a long ride from the place you started at to where it is now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what do we learn from that? Fast ride. Uh -huh. It is a fast ride. Mm -hmm. Real fast. <laughs> I said the other day I'm about ready to die because all my life I've heard people say that the older you get, the faster time flies. Uh -huh. Well, I've reached the point that it's spinning. <laughs> <laughs> so I must be about ready. <laughs> well, that's right. And you know, that's one of the things that I really feel like there's real value in going back and, and meeting with people that have had these kind of experiences, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. I just believe that it's going to get so quick that it's not even going to be noticed. And even in the past few weeks that I've been doing this, I've been able to reach out to people that have these kind of amazing long lives. And mm -hmm. I just believe that that's a really valuable thing mm -hmm. to do now, you know, that you'll not be able to because we can't get Barney and we can't get right. Glenn Wiley and all that. But you people. know what? There's going to be more Barneys come along. I know. And I know. more Glens. I know, but that's the thing <laughs> is there won't be one of the ones that aren't there anymore. Right. You know, that's, that's right. why I'm trying to reach out and get these. Mm-hmm. And so anything else you want to say before we get done here? I can't think of anything to tell you. <laughs> you think of your life, but you, you know, you, what would be important to some other people, who knows? Oh, yeah. No, but thank you very much for the time. Oh, you're as welcome as can be. And what is that apparatus?